Hi there everyone, I trust that you're doing really well in cold South Africa and warm overseas, those of you who are abroad. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your goodness. Thank you for the power of your word and the word of your power. And thank you God for what you're teaching us in this season concerning this series, One of a Kind, as we're inspired by these great people from scripture. We pray that you speak to us today in Jesus' name. Amen. Last week, we looked at Samuel. This week, we're looking at Daniel. And I know some of you are probably thinking, Paul, you're so biased. You're choosing your kids' names. Okay, it wasn't planned that way. And I'm not going to do Paul next week. Or am I? I don't know. But anyway, let's uh, look into Daniel. Amazing, amazing character. One of my favorite Bible characters, actually. Very inspiring. Daniel means God is judge. Isn't that a powerful name meaning? God is judge. Whatever you are facing, whatever you are going through, whatever, whoever you're intimidated by, just remember, ultimately God is judge. And his Babylonian name was Belshazzar, uh, which means uh, Baal protect his life. Now we know that God was the one who protected his life, not Baal, right? He was born in about 620 BC and he was taken to Babylon after the siege of Jerusalem um, had ended. So the siege started in about 605 BC and by 597 BC, okay, so that was a few years later, uh, they had actually captured Judah, all right, taken over Judah. Uh, so he was probably about 15 to 18 years of age. Uh, when he was forced to leave. Can you imagine that? I'm thinking of my 15-year-old son, all right, being captured by people who worship foreign gods and they, he's just taken away, right, for, for literally his whole life. Imagine that. But it started out when he was still a young boy. Daniel was both a prophet and a statesman. And this is so important to understand because, again, many people like to box people, you know, and say you'll only function in a local church setting. Well, you know what? That's where we start out and we are submitted uh, in a local church. But our ministry and the impact of it can spread out to wherever God uh, places us, whatever power center we are influencing. So he was a statesman, but he was also a prophet. Very important to understand that. And he lived in Babylon for over 60 years. Imagine that, okay, right into his 80s. Now, when he was taken into captivity, he started out as a young man of nobility. It's important to also understand that, okay? He was regarded highly just in terms of how he functioned uh, in Babylon, and we'll look into that, okay? So when he was taken into captivity and he was now in Babylon, he started out as a young man of nobility who consistently rose to the top as he served under about four or five different administrations, okay, or different monarchies, which is quite interesting. And we see this in Daniel chapter 1, verse 19 to 20. The king talked with them and he found none equal to Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Those were his friends. So they entered the king's service. And that's where we get the nobility aspect from. In every matter of wisdom and understanding about which the king questioned them, he found them 10 times better than all the magicians and enchanters in his whole kingdom. 
After telling the king his dream and also interpreting it, he was made overseer over the province of Babylon, okay, which is very unusual, isn't it, for a foreigner, if you think about it, if it was to happen today. Imagine hearing of um, some guy from a foreign country, okay, maybe one of the other African countries, and you hear he is now premier of Gauteng, okay, or he is now uh, vice president, Right? So these guys were phenomenal. And the challenge for us is to ask ourselves, what are our high leverage activities? How has God gifted you? How has God graced you in a way that's high impact? Because that's the thing that will very often open doors for you. Imagine they were 10 times better than the wise men of Babylon. That is quite something. This is not the wise men of just some, uh, you know, obscure country in some corner, right? Uh, this is of Babylon, right? This was the center of the world at the time. And so he was made overseer over, um, over a province uh, of Babylon. I think that's phenomenal. And in addition to that, he was also placed over the wise men of Babylon, right? He was also one of the three satraps that ruled over the Persian kingdom, right? Now you'll know that later on, uh, Persia actually took over Babylon, right? When Cyrus was um, the emperor over Persia. Now in October 539 BCE, the Persian king Cyrus took Babylon, and that's a bit of history for you there. And the ancient capital, all right, of this uh, empire covering modern Iraq, Syria, Lebanon, and Israel, right? <laughs> that was Babylon, right? Amazing. In a broader sense, Babylon was the ancient world's capital of scholarship and science. And in that context, Daniel was 10 times better than the magicians of Babylon. I think that's just phenomenal, okay? Uh, now, just like Joseph, he had this gift of interpreting dreams. And also just like Joseph, he went into this great nation really as a slave. You know, we kind of think he was just prancing around and so on, but he was taken into captivity. He was taken captive, all right? But then he rose while he was in Babylon. It's important to understand that, okay? Uh, so Daniel was a prophet for Israel and also for the nations of the world, with God giving him very significant visions of the future of the world. And uh, this type of success is not the norm. It's not the norm. Therefore, there are many leadership and character lessons that we get from his life when we study the life of Daniel. If you look at Daniel chapter 1, verses 3 to 4, it says, Then the king ordered... Ashpenaz, chief of his court officials, to bring into the king's service some of the Israelites from the royal family and the nobility. Young men without any physical defect, handsome, showing aptitude for every kind of learning, well-informed, quick to understand, and qualified to serve in the king's palace. He was to teach them the language and literature of the Babylonians. It is possible that God can give you the spirit of wisdom, the spirit of revelation, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord, that you can learn the language and literature of Babylon. What do I mean by that? You see, when Daniel and his friends were being asked 
all sorts of questions by the king. It wasn't necessarily concerning their own religion. It wasn't necessarily concerning their own scriptures. But these guys had an aptitude to learn. My question is, do you want to influence in society today? Do you have an aptitude to learn? Whatever God has called you to, whatever sphere of influence he's given you, do you have that aptitude to learn and to open yourself to the Lord so that you become 10 times better than the magicians of this world? Okay, so we see that he was good looking, he was intelligent and wise, right? Um, yet this is what actually caused him to go into captivity, all right? This is what actually caused him to go into that situation. They were like, mm, we see what you've got here. We want you to, um, to serve the king, right? In this particular way. So your talents might result in you moving in a direction that doesn't look like success. Just think about it, okay? It might be people wanting to use you, but then God has always got a plan. God has always got an agenda and he can take what the enemy meant for harm and turn it around and use it for good. So being captured doesn't look like success, but God knew the big picture. He knew how he wanted to use Daniel. And if you look at how God used Daniel in influencing Nebuchadnezzar, the great uh, emperor. It's amazing. It's amazing. So Daniel was a legend and we can see this by how God speaks of him, that he was really one of a kind. I mean, he's spoken of in the book of Ezekiel chapter 14 verses 12 to 13. The word of the Lord came to me, son of man, if a country sins against me by being unfaithful, and I stretch out my hand against it to cut off its food supply and send famine upon it and kill its people and their animals. Even if these three men, Noah, Daniel, and Job were in it, they could save only themselves by their righteousness, declares the sovereign Lord. It's amazing how Daniel stood out as one of those people who was righteous right? And you see it in scripture. There's literally nothing negative mentioned about him, just in terms of sin uh, or immoral behavior, all right? And uh, we see that in scripture, there were other men who also stood out like Noah and Job. And I find it just so phenomenal that Daniel is counted amongst these men. And God again is saying, similar to what he says concerning Samuel, even if, right, Noah, Daniel, and Job were in it, they could only save themselves by their righteousness. Imagine standing out in your generation like Noah did, like Daniel did, like Job did, standing out because of your righteousness. So let's have a look at some leadership lessons, character lessons that we gain from the life of Daniel. The first thing I want to share with you is that Daniel was gifted and he used his gifts for his God-given assignment this is an important principle to understand. Many people out there are known for just what they're average at. Few people are known for what they're actually really great at. Okay, in Daniel chapter 1, 16 to 18. So the God took away their choice food and the wine they were to drink and gave them vegetables instead. Okay, Daniel had asked for this. To these four young men, God gave knowledge and understanding of all kinds of literature and learning. God can do that. You study the word, you gain revelation from the word, but God can also give you understanding of subject matter, right, in the world. It might be economics, it might be accounting, it might be the arts, right, so that you can influence. 
and Daniel could understand visions and dreams of all kinds. At the end of the time set by the king to bring them into his service, the chief official presented them to Nebuchadnezzar. In order to accomplish great things for God, we must have a different spiritual appetite and diet. This is so important, okay? It's so important to understand this. Daniel and his friends had a different spiritual appetite and diet. Now we know that they were Jews and we know that they adhered to Jewish practice but they continued doing so despite the fact that they were now in Babylon. They could have said, well, our parents aren't around us. We can just go with the flow, but they didn't. They stayed true to what they believed, okay? Um, and this is very important. So we can't feed from the same source as the world and expect to bring about different results. There was something different about these men in terms of their character. You know, it's interesting that uh, Daniel relied on the spirit of knowledge that God gave him. The ability to interpret dreams was very similar to Joseph's. And, you know, both men used their gifts in the context of their sphere of influence. They weren't in a temple when they were doing so, okay? And uh, in their case, it was government. It was government. And that ability to interpret dreams was one of the things that unlocked doors for them, for both Joseph and also for Daniel. In Daniel chapter 2, 24, it says, Then Daniel went to Arioch, whom the king had appointed to execute the wise men of Babylon, and said to him, Do not execute the wise men of Babylon. It's amazing how he used his gift, his wisdom, and his discretion to save lives. Okay, Take me to the king, and I will interpret his dream for him. See, the king was upset and he was angry because his wise men couldn't interpret his dream. And he thought to himself, okay, let me kill them off. Now, Daniel could have been like, yeah, I want to I have them all killed off because then it's my, my chance to shine. But he didn't. He was so secure in God. He says, no, don't let these lives be taken. There's no need for that. Isn't that amazing? And then he steps in and says, you know what? I will, I've got a solution for you, right? So lives were spared because of his gift. There's so many people trying to get to the top, but guess what happens? There's so many needless casualties of war along the way. You don't have to tread on people, stamp on people, kill people, right, in order to get to the top. You can actually preserve their lives and God still raises you up. You can see that with Daniel. He was so secure in God that my promotion comes from the Lord. You see, functioning in his gift made Daniel become a distinguished leader. Are you functioning in your gift? Are you functioning in your gift? Or are you just trying to do everything? Are you functioning in the way that God has designed you, in the way that God has called you? That's where the anointing will flow. In Daniel 6, 3, it says, Now Daniel so distinguished himself among the administrators and the satraps by his exceptional qualities that the king planned to set him over the whole kingdom. Isn't that amazing? All right? over the whole kingdom. Why? He distinguished himself among the administrators and satraps by his exceptional qualities. What are your exceptional qualities? What are your plus ones where you go the extra mile, where there's something unique about you, something different? I want to encourage you, do that most of the time. Whatever that is, do it most of the time. When I coach people, I say to them, what's your area of strength where people are so blessed by it? And they'll say, oh, I love it when I do A, B, C, D. Then I say, how often do you do that? What percentage of your time do you spend doing that? Oh, once a year. 
Oh, that's about 5% of my role at work. Okay, well, you'll never be known for it because you hardly spend time doing it. You see, we look at a lot of these great people and we admire them and we think they must have been born on the right side of the railway track. Eh, wrong answer, wrong answer. Oh, they must be so smart, that's why they're doing it. Eh, wrong answer, okay? The reason they become really great is they found out what they were born to do and they spend most of their time doing it. So they get a lot of practice doing what they were born to do and then they go from good to great. That's what happens. That's what happens. So sadly, many people are known for only what their average at. Isn't that sad? And not for what they were born to do. So what's your thing? What's your thing? This is important to understand. What's your thing? What is your high leverage activity that will result in doors opening for you? Find out what it is and pour yourself into it and dedicate yourself to it. You see, Daniel focused on a few things and did them really, really well. Period. That's what he did. That's what he did. We don't know of him concerning other things. We know of him because he focused on what God had called him to do. You know, it doesn't say he was gifted in every dimension of the prophetic, does it? It doesn't say that he was so talented at sport or all sorts of other things. He focused on the specifics that God had wired him for. That's an important principle. The second thing I want to say about Daniel is that Daniel was a man of unwavering resolve and character. This is so important. One of the keys we see in Daniel's character was that he would pre-decide and resolve what to do before the temptation occurred. Have you noticed that? Okay. The reason many people fall is they don't pre-decide what's best for them to do. And that's the essence of discipline, isn't it? You know, when you're a disciplined person, right? You follow through and you do what you've pre-decided is best for you to do despite your emotional state at the time. And very often when he would withstand temptation, you could see it was based on a conviction. It was based on a resolve that he had already decided. He wasn't just making a decision on the spot. Very important. So my question to you is, how do you deal with moral dilemmas in your life? You see, Daniel maintained moral resolution in Daniel chapter 1, 8 to 16. But Daniel resolved not to defile himself with the royal food and wine. And he asked the chief official for permission not to defile himself this way. You see, he wasn't arrogant about it. You know, some people are arrogant about it. Oh, look what you guys are doing. No, he was very respectful as he went about it. And this is so important. He wasn't even self-righteous about it. He didn't even try to impose his convictions onto other people. It says he resolved not to defile himself with the royal food and wine. And he asked the chief official for permission not to defile himself in this way. Now, God had caused the official to show favor and compassion to Daniel. Isn't it amazing? God will give you these destiny helpers. He'll give you certain people in your life where they just like you and they're key to your promotion, right? But God is the one who's the source of your promotion. Who have you found favor with? Honor God. Honor God. Because very often it's God who's moved on that person's heart, okay? Now, God had caused the official to show favor and compassion to Daniel, but the official told Daniel, I'm afraid of my Lord, the King, who has assigned your food and drink. Why should he see you looking worse than the other young men your age? The King would then have my head because of you. And look at Daniel again, sparing lives. 
Daniel then said to the God whom the chief official had appointed over Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, please test your servants for 10 days. Okay, he's, he's, he was a brilliant negotiator, wasn't he? Hey, give us 10 days. Test your servants for 10 days. Give us nothing but vegetables to eat and water to drink. That's where we get the Daniel fast from, right? Then compare our appearance with that of the young men who eat the royal food and treat your servants in accordance with what you see. So he agreed to this and tested them for 10 days. At the end of the 10 days, they looked healthier and better nourished than any of the young men who ate the royal food. So the guards took away their choice food and the wine uh, they were to drink and gave them vegetables instead. Isn't that so powerful? It's important to note that he was not brash about this. He communicated respectfully. He communicated with humility, right? And in the end, this also spared the life of the official, right? So when we function, this is so important, when we function in holiness and Christian character, it should always be done in the context of humility and compassion. Humility and compassion, not self-righteousness. Very important to understand that. In Daniel chapter 6, verse 4 to 5, at this, the administrators and the satraps tried to find grounds for charges against Daniel in his conduct of government affairs, but they were unable to do so. They could find no corruption in him because he was trustworthy and neither corrupt nor negligent. Finally, these men said, we will never find any basis for charges against this man, Daniel. May that be your portion too, unless it has something to do with the law of his God. Now, remember the context here, okay, with Belshazzar now the king, and we had a situation where uh, he had made a particular law, all right, which you could not reverse, and that was basically that uh, people must only worship their gods, right, and not uh, any other gods, right? They must honor him as the emperor, him as the king, and not be worshiping any other gods, etc. Right? So Daniel was found with no charge at all concerning uh, the way he lived his life, right? So they had to resort to looking at his acts of worship because they knew he was consistent with regards to that. May that be your portion. May people not be able to find fault with you in any aspect of your life, any aspect of law breaking or anything like that. Okay. May they only be able to look and say, oh, okay, he worships Jesus. She worships Jesus. You see, here's the principle. Your character will always be tested. People in the world are looking to see if there are any gaps, cracks, and leakages in you. Your character will always be tested. My question to you is, are you ready for the next test? And what do you think that next test is going to be? The essence of your character can be summarized by this question. Who am I when no one is watching? Who am I when no one is watching? We can all pretend. I used to say this very often. You're as spiritual as your thoughts, you see, because I can think all sorts of things, but no one is looking. No one knows my inner thoughts. But if I fear the Lord, I'm conscious even of my thought life. This is important to understand. I've, I learned years ago that uh, the thoughts you have can literally affect the presence of God on your life. Okay, So the Bible says, do not grieve 
the Holy Spirit. I still remember years ago, I think it was about 2004, I was coming from a prayer meeting. God's presence was so strong on me. I was driving home. I was in my car. And I remember I had one critical thought toward my wife. I forget what it was. I just had some thought. It was a negative thought of sorts. And as soon as I had that thought, the presence of God just lifted. You see, and many people are not sensitive to the Holy Spirit with regards to these things. Could it be that the glory of God has departed from your life because of your thoughts? Okay, this was not something I gossiped about. It was not something I spoke out loud. I just remember having a negative thought and their presence gone. We need to guard the presence of God. We need to guard our character. We need to guard the anointing in our lives, just like Daniel did. Who am I? when no one is watching. Who are you when no one is watching? You see, you can con the whole world. You can con your spouse, but God is watching. See, Daniel was beyond reproach. In Daniel chapter 10, verse 19, it says, this is the angel actually speaking to Daniel. Do not be afraid, you who are highly esteemed. Imagine an angel pitches up and says that to you. You are highly esteemed, he said. Peace, be strong now, be strong. When he spoke to me, I was strengthened and said, Speak, my Lord, since you have given me strength. Isn't that powerful? All right? Being esteemed by heaven and being esteemed on earth. I believe that if we want to be promoted on earth, we need to be esteemed highly in heaven. I don't know about you, but I want to be honored by heaven instead of trying to make things happen for myself. I believe that Daniel was highly esteemed in heaven and on earth. He had favor with both God and man. And this is what God does for you when you prioritize honor from above. That's what God does for you. In Daniel chapter 6, verses 10 through to 11. Now, when Daniel learned that the decree had been published, he went home to his upstairs room where the windows opened toward Jerusalem. Three times a day, he got down on his knees and prayed, giving thanks to his God just as he had done before. It was a habit. It was a habit, ladies and gentlemen. Then these men went as a group and found Daniel praying and asking God for help. I love that. Just as he had always done, just as he had done before, just like Jesus, as was his habit, he went. Great while before the sun had, ro- sun had gone up, he went and he prayed. It was a habit. And these ancients had certain habits, they had certain rituals, right? And those rituals continued even when they were going to be persecuted for it. Are you changing your Christian lifestyle based on things happening around you? Are you changing your Christian lifestyle based on threats? Are you changing your Christian lifestyle based on peer pressure? Do you suddenly change when you're on holiday and you're not praying anymore? Do you suddenly change when family or extended family are around if you're not from a Christian family? Okay. Daniel was consistent in his devotion to God despite the consequences. He was uncompromising. It must have been a tough type of peer pressure. Think about it, okay? Being in an environment where God was mocked all the time, right? The true God, right? And he was away from his usual worship environment that he had grown up with, right? Uh, In Israel. Imagine that. He had no parents to be watching over him in his early, in his formative years, just watching over him to say, hey, come to the temple. Hey, have you prayed? All right. The peer pressure was not necessarily working for him. But I think it's awesome how he had his close friends. 
But here he continued just worshipping God, right? It would have been easy to turn to the other lifestyle. Imagine that as a young man, your parents aren't there, right? But he was devoted to God. My question to you today is, what keeps you devoted to God? What keeps you devoted to God? And I want to speak to the young people. You know, when you go to university, you've got no parents watching over you, right? You go to university. A lot of people there don't even know you, right? Especially when it's university out of town, right? You're away from uh, everyone who knew you as a Christian at high school. Will you continue devoted to God? You need to pre-decide that. You need to pre-decide that. I saw many people backsliding when we went to university. People who had been Christians at school because, hey, the people who used to watch over me, they're not around and people went crazy, okay? I want to encourage you parents, make sure you instill strong values in your children in their formative years, you see, because sometimes you can have kids who only do what you ask them to do because you're paying for everything and they're watching you on a day, you, you're watching them on a daily basis, and in the moment they leave home, they go crazy, right? And you just have to trust that that which you've put into their lives is going to remain there. Instruct a child in the way he should go. And when he's older, he won't depart from it. Let's believe that that's our portion. The third thing I want to say about Daniel that we learn from his lifestyle and his character is that Daniel consistently functioned in wisdom and discretion. This is very important. Okay, when it came to certain decisions and judgment calls, he would always take time to pray. He wasn't rushed. You know, sometimes we get into a panic and we end up doing things that are unwise. Have you noticed that whenever you are conned by someone, I don't know if you've ever had a con artist try to con you, they rush you. They, like, they try to get you to make a very quick decision. I don't know if you've ever had those experiences by an ATM and someone is trying to trick you and so on. They get you to do things quickly. I've had that happen to me before. But it's amazing how Daniel would literally just slow down and seek God. Is the enemy trying to rush you into certain decisions where you feel, I have to do it today, I have to do it today? Even when it came to interpreting dreams and so on, he wasn't in a rush to do so. He would go and he would seek the Lord. He was not impulsive. He was not hasty. His wisdom and his discretion saved lives. In Daniel chapter 2, 14 to 15, when Arioch, the commander of the king's guard, had gone out to put to death the wise men of Babylon, Daniel spoke to him with wisdom and tact. Isn't that amazing? Those two words, there's one pastor who has, has taken that and he's just, he sticks to it in his life. Just says, wait, wait, let me make a decision, but with wisdom and with tact. Some people lack tact, okay? If Daniel did not have tact, he wouldn't have ended up where he ended up. If he did not have tact, for some of you, you're so gifted, just like Daniel was. You're so smart, you're so intelligent. You've got everything going for you, but you lack tact, okay? It says, it says, Daniel spoke to him with wisdom and tact. He asked the king's officer, why did the king issue such a harsh decree? Arian then explained the matter to Daniel. You see, when people make hasty decisions or begin to panic, right? Are you that person that has a calming effect on them? Daniel seemed to play this role in relation to the kings he served. That's a pattern that we see. He operated in wisdom and intact. The fourth thing I want to share with you with regards to Daniel is that Daniel was humbly reliant on God as his source. 
Again, a very important principle. You know, when our church started in 2010, April 2010, uh, the message I preached was entitled Absolute Dependence. Absolute Dependence. And it's something the Lord has ministered strongly to me that we must never rely on our own intellect, on our own skill and our own talent. But we must always see God as our source. And then when we are successful, we give him the glory. Amen. Okay. So Daniel had great talent that he could have used for personal gain, but he didn't. He didn't. You know, these guys could end up enriching themselves, right? That's just how the system worked. When you're talented like that and you're interpreting the king's dreams and that kind of thing, they offered you all sorts of things. But he realized, just like the early apostles realized that, you know what, freely we've been given and so freely we give. And in Daniel 5, 17, it says, Then Daniel answered the king. This was when he was offered. Uh, all sorts of goodies, right? You may keep your gifts for yourself and give your rewards to someone else. Nevertheless, I will read the writing for the king and tell him what it means. Again, very powerful. Do we know when we have offered an act of service, right? And we're doing it professionally. Uh, do we know when that is? And then do we know when we are just doing something because of the grace on our lives and it's because we've been freely given by God and now we're freely giving. And a lot of times these are gray areas and it's important to understand that when to actually be able to say, hey, keep your gifts, give them to someone else, right? But I will tell you the meaning of this. He also made sure that he gave God all the glory. Make a covenant with the Lord that whatever happens in your life, whatever success you experience, you will always want to give God 100% of the glory. One of the problems today we find in a lot of Christians is partial glory. It's like, yes, I said praise God. Yes, I acknowledge God. But in the whole process, you're also praising yourself. Okay, so God gets maybe 51% of the glory, but you take 49% of it. Right? Or you take 51% and he takes 49% or you give him 49% of the glory. He mustn't take partial glory. All glory belongs to God. Okay? In Daniel 2 verses 28 to 30, we see that he consistently pointed people to God. He says, but there is a God in heaven who reveals mysteries. He didn't say, hey, look at my skill. Any dream, I'll interpret it. No, he says, there is a God in heaven who reveals mysteries. He has shown King Nebuchadnezzar what will happen in days to come. Your dream and the visions that passed through your mind as you were lying in bed are these. Now, this is, this is another level of the prophetic. Eh? He wasn't just interpreting the king's dream. He had to tell the king, this is what you dreamt. And then this is the interpretation. All right. Uh, your dream and the visions that passed through your mind as you were lying in bed are these. As your majesty was lying there, your mind turned to things to come. And the revealer of mysteries, again, acknowledging God, showed you what is going to happen. Verse 30. As for me, this mystery has been revealed to me, not because I have greater wisdom than anyone else alive, but so that your majesty may know the interpretation and that you may understand what went through your mind. You see, he was not believing his own press. He acknowledged that, you know what, God loves this particular king. God wants this king to end up knowing him. God has a purpose with this particular king. And that's why God is using me. I'm just a vessel. 
Oh, if more people in our generation realize that sometimes the way they're used by God is only because God loves the people. It's only because God has seen that you're available to be used and uh, you're a vessel that can be used, but he loves the people. And there's that end result that's so important. Not because we are any wiser, okay? Very important. In Daniel chapter 4, verse 37, look at the result of it. Now I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise and exalt and glorify the king of heaven. Imagine that, the emperor of this, uh, the greatest empire that's there at the time, right? Um, and I glorify the king of heaven because everything he does is right and all his ways are just. And those who walk in pride, he's able to humble. Right now, the king had to learn this principle the hard way because of his pride. What ended up happening for seven years, he had to end up literally insane and living like an animal. And it was only afterwards where he came to himself and then began to praise God. Do you know that sometimes God will allow you to go into a place of brokenness, a deep place of obscurity, just to bring about the humility that will cause you to praise God. I don't want to have to go through that. I want to just start praising God now. I want to just start honoring God now, right? But for many people, they have to go through a deep, deep school of brokenness because of our pride, because of our pride. So the king had to learn this principle the hard way. In Daniel 6, 20 to 23, again, very powerful. Uh, this is where we're now talking about Daniel in the lion's den. And I want to show you how he praised God and recognized that God was the source of his protection. Okay. When he came near the den, he called to Daniel in an anguished voice. And this is now with Belshazzar, right? Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God, whom you serve continually, been able to rescue you from the lions? Remember, he, he liked Daniel, right? Uh, Daniel answered, may the king live forever. My God sent his angel and he shut the mouths of the lions. God is shutting mouths of lions that have come against you right now in Jesus' name. Right? They have not hurt me because I was found innocent in his sight. Are you blameless before God? Nor have I ever done any wrong before you, your majesty. The king was overjoyed and gave orders to lift Daniel out of the den. And when Daniel was lifted from the den, no wound was found on him because he had trusted in his God. He was dependent on God and God received the praise and glory. Daniel chapter 2, uh, 17 to 18. Then Daniel returned to his house and explained the matter to his friends, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. He urged them to plead for mercy from the God of heaven concerning this mystery so that he and his friends might not be executed with the rest of the wise men of Babylon. Now, as I take you through this, I'm not doing it chronologically, I'm doing it more thematically. And I'm wanting to show you this, that uh, when Daniel was asked by the king, right, to interpret the dream and to tell him what was my dream all about, he went to his friends and says, guys, let's pray. Let's seek God concerning this matter. So Daniel's humility and dependency on God caused him to be interdependent with others. He was a team player. He was a team player. Some people like to work alone so that they get all the glory. You know, that's actually one of the reasons why some people like to work alone, right? Number one, they're proud. They think they can do it by themselves, right? Uh, number two, they want to receive all the credit, 
um, for what they've done. The fifth thing I want to share with you about Daniel is that Daniel was tender and full of compassion. He was tender and full of compassion. So many people like to walk in righteousness, but they forget that part of being righteous and walking in true Christian character is walking in the fruit of love, walking in the fruit of tenderness, walking in the fruit of compassion, right? In Daniel 4.19, then Daniel, also called Belshazzar, was greatly perplexed for a time and his thoughts terrified him. So the king said, Belshazzar, do not let the dream or its meaning alarm you. Belshazzar answered, my Lord, if only the dream applied to your enemies and its meaning to your adversaries. Now, this is so powerful because here Daniel is seeing certain things, right? In terms of judgment against the king. And he's thinking to himself, I don't wish this on the king. Some prophets have got this thing of like, oh, this bad thing is about to happen to you. <laughs> I feel for you, man. You know, in fact, I'm, I'm actually quite happy. It's, it's about time this kind of thing is happening. And there's so much pride in it. But he says, you know what? If only this thing was happening to your enemies, not to you. You could see his compassion toward those who he was under. Right? He was still under their leadership. And it's important that as Christians, we're not pompous about our righteousness, but we are genuinely submitted in humility right, under the leaders God has called us to serve. In, I'm talking specifically in the marketplace. Okay? Some of them may not be Christians, but let them see something in our lifestyle that, that they see, hey, this person is so tender. This person is full of compassion. And that can happen in the workplace. We need to bring love back to the workplace. Okay? This thing of, oh, we're in the workplace. We must be harsh and, and horrible to people. That's not Christian. There must be the fruit of the Spirit in all our dealings with people. Okay? Um, what's also amazing about Daniel is that he did not rise to the top alone. He sponsored his friends. This is an important principle. When it comes to mentorship, when you're mentoring people, there's what we call the career functions of mentorship. Okay, And then there's the psychosocial functions of mentorship. The psychosocial function of mentorship is that friendship, that warmth that you give someone who's your mentee. But the career function of mentorship is where you give someone challenging assignments, but it also includes sponsorship. And sponsorship, I'm not talking about financial sponsorship. I'm talking about how you give people opportunities. You give them a platform to shine. Whenever you're in these senior meetings, you're like, hey, there are my guys there. Please, can you use that one guy? He's really brilliant at this. You help to open doors for people. Daniel was like that. Many people mentor people, but few people really sponsor people, really sponsor people. All right. He didn't get to the top alone. He didn't get to the top alone. In Daniel 2.49, it says, Moreover, at Daniel's request, the king appointed Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego administrators over the province of Babylon, while Daniel himself remained at the royal court. Okay? God is giving you influence, but that influence is not just for you to shine. It's also for some of the people who he's called alongside you to help you. Maybe it's your friends. Maybe it's people who you are in some kind of spiritual partnership with, right? Uh, and it's important to rise up together. Some people like to rise up by themselves, okay? And the sixth thing I want to share with you with regards to Daniel is that Daniel was courageous. Daniel was courageous, you know? He was courageous in obedience 
and also in the face of adversity. Right? He was courageous in obedience and in the face of adversity. He was obedient to speak out what God was saying, even at the risk of unpopularity and at the risk of death. You know, you could prophesy something that the king didn't like, and he could be like, this person is not for me. Kill him. Okay? That's what the, the kings of um, the, those days were like. If you look at the key moments of his life and his ministry, Right? For example, interpreting Nebuchadnezzar's dreams okay? on two occasions, by the way. Right? Interpreting the handwriting on the wall for Belshazzar. Right? The experience in the lion's den. The visions about the future of the world. Okay? The common thread is courage. Common thread is courage. Imagine seeing something and being, having to sort of tell a king, like, oh, this is what's going to happen, guys. You know, your kingdom is going to be taken over. Right? This is what's going to happen in the future. Right? You could be killed off for that. My question to you is, what have been your key life moments and how have you managed them? What have been your key life moments and how have you managed them? What are they characterized by? Just think about it. What are they characterized by? Are they characterized by fear and trembling or are they characterized by courage? One of the ways you establish yourself as a courageous leader, as a heroic leader, find out what everyone in your industry is afraid of and make sure you're courageous in that area. That's how you become a true hero. In Daniel 4, 19 and then verse 27 also. Then Daniel, also called Belshazzar, was greatly perplexed for a time and his thoughts terrified him. So the king said, Belshazzar, do not let the dream or its meaning alarm you. Belshazzar answered, my lord, if only the dream applied to your enemies and its meaning to your adversaries. Okay. Then it goes on to say, therefore, your majesty, be pleased to accept my advice. Renounce your sins by doing what is right and your wickedness by being kind to the oppressed. It may be that then your prosperity will continue. He was basically rebuking the king, saying, change your ways, and then maybe there will be mercy. Okay? He delivered the word with wisdom and with tact, and he did so respectfully. It required courage, didn't it? In Daniel chapter 5, verse 22, and I'm also going to read verse 25 to 28. But you, Belshazzar, all right, he's talking about uh, Belshazzar, the son of Nebuchadnezzar. Right? But you, Belshazzar, his son, have not humbled yourself, though you knew all this. He'd just been talking about what happened to his father, right? How his father went, was, was judged by God and went through that period of seven years, right? Uh, and he says, you knew all of this, but you didn't learn from your father's mistakes. Okay? This is the inscription that was written. And then he interprets it, okay? what was written on the wall. Many, many tekel parson. Right? Here is what these words mean. Many, God has numbered the days of your reign and brought it to an end. Imagine saying that to a king. Tekel, you have been weighed on the scales and found wanting. Perez, your kingdom is divided and given to the Medes and the Persians. And we know that that ended up uh, taking place later on. It happened. All right? But he was full of courage and he was able to tell the king that. So as you reflect today on the life of Daniel, I want to encourage you to have a look at his characteristics, his courage, the prayerful nature of this person, the prayerful nature of this great prophet, 
the way he operated in wisdom and in tact, in tenderness and in compassion. And let's pray that we will also be resolute in our character, pre-deciding what is the right thing for us to do. And I believe that as we see God as our source of promotion and we function in humility and absolute dependence on the Lord, we will also become a Daniel for our generation. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your kindness. We thank you for your goodness and what you're doing in our midst. We pray, God, today that you would raise up more Daniels in our midst, raise up more Daniels in the nations. Those would function prophetically, but even in the realm of being a statesman, in the realm of government, in the realm of various power centers in society. Raise up Daniels, Lord God, who will influence, who walk in righteousness, who are beyond reproach, who do not feed on the same things the world feeds off but who see you as their source of nourishment, who live by every word that you give them. Raise up Daniels in this generation. I pray this in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. I encourage you to join us for our Zoom prayer meetings that we have on a daily basis. Find out um, about them and let us know. We want you to be a part of them because we want to be people of prayer. We want to be Daniels for this generation. God wants to use us in a mighty way. Join one of our virtual small groups. They're so, so powerful and it's an important time to actually discuss these messages and to apply them in various aspects of our lives. May God raise up Daniels. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you.